this was an eye opener and a turning point for us because we realized that, oh, it's not that you go out there and explore just because something is suspicious and cool and colorful. No, there are rules to this, how a species evolved, when you should be curious and when not. Hey, I'm glad you're here today. This is Choose to be Curious, a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. I'm your host, Lynn Borton. Welcome. Come, choose to be curious with us. So just how curious are you? I mean, what's an external measure you might use to describe your level of curiosity? Are you, I'll stick my hand down any dark hole to discover what's there, curious? How about I'll put anything in my mouth once level of curiosity. Or maybe you're, I'm good here on the couch, kind of curious. Apparently, I'm an, I'll get up at 4 a.m. for that, curious. As in, I voluntarily got up at 4 a.m. for two days in a row to participate remotely in a conference being held in Germany on social curiosity. The hybrid on-Zoom and in-person conference was hosted by the Psychology of Language Department at the University of Göttingen and the Social Learning Lab at Stanford University. I had five or six hours of academic presentations under my belt before anyone else around me had even had breakfast that week. The gathering included research presentations from behavioral psychologists, evolutionary biologists, neurologists, and some serious computational analysis that I will confess was a bit above my head, especially in those pre-dawn hours. It was a terrific program, and my hat goes off to the organizers. Among many other wonderful insights, there was some fascinating research on curiosity, apes, and sociality, which is the degree to which individuals in an animal population tend to associate in social groups and form cooperative societies. Various research seems to suggest that curiosity is aligned with sociality, but not in the ways I expected. I'll let my guest tell you more, but for this lay audience member, at least one takeaway was clear. Being in groups can both support and hamper curiosity, and it matters who we hang out with. That talk was by Dr. Sophia Force, an evolutionary biologist specializing in comparative cognition and animal behavior, whose work on ape curiosity and cross-species curiosity comparisons was fascinating and filled the most pages in my notebook by far. She also had, hands down, the best video clip of the conference, link on my website, Dr. Forrest received her PhD at the University of Zurich, where she worked on culture, cognition, and curiosity and novel response in both wild and captive orangutans. This year, she launched her own research team at the Animal Behavior Group at the University of Zurich with funding from the Swiss National Science Foundation. She's interested in tracing the roots of human-like curiosity and seeing what we can learn from our primate cousins. I couldn't wait to get my hands on her paper. And I'm delighted that she's able to join me today from Switzerland. So welcome, Sophia. Thank you very much. I'm super excited. Well, it's wonderful to have you here. And I have to ask, what got you curious about curiosity in apes? Wow. Oh, 
it's 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 all started during my my master's and my phd work which i actually did out in the jungle with wild orangutans so cool so i was how young orangutans are learning their feeding diet for or or their repertoire or the things they can eat because a lot of the things they can eat uh, is not so obvious so in order for them to learn what to eat since many things are hidden be behind the the bark of the trees, or they need to rip open bees' nests. So they have quite of a tricky diet to learn. And in order to learn that, they need a lot of curiosity. And these were questions that I worked with the orangutans for my master thesis, but also then continued for my PhD thesis, where we tried to also induce some, some kind of field experiments, where we, we climbed up trees in the jungle of Sumatra. We put up uh, video camera traps and then in the forest, we built platforms and we were showing these forest orangutans random things they'd never seen before. And our expectation, our initial expectation, and I'm talking now 10 years of back in my own life and career, we thought they would be super curious because they are curious, but they were just not curious about things they had no safety signal for. So these were so alien to them. These were plastic things they'd never seen before, like human things. And and this was an eye-opener and a turning point for us because we realized that, oh, it's not that you go out there and explore just because something is suspicious and cool and colorful. No, there are rules to this, how a species evolved, when you should be curious and when not. So and that interesting. Kind of my interest in in finding out more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So define curiosity as you understand it for your work, because I find as I have these conversations, I get so many different nuances and flavors. So, so give me yours to help frame this discussion, and maybe it's evolved. I don't know. Yeah. So, like. Uh, because it's animals and we can't really ask them, we, we kind of need to work with a broader definition. So of a, in intrinsic drive to gain new information. But what is important is also that we distinguish between that it has not any obvious reward in the moment. So it's not just yeah. like I'm going to go and, and, and find a food source and I'm going to eat because I'm curious about if they're going to taste good. No, it's still about finding out something that doesn't give you a a reward in that moment, but the reward is the learning or the knowledge itself. Yeah. We align with the psychologists quite a lot, but we are a little bit broader. I liked actually the term that you use in your paper of thinking about curiosity as an umbrella term. I think that's I think that's right. I think it covers a lot of ground. <laughs> yes. And and your challenge in terms of how to measure it, it with creatures who were nonverbal. And I know you have an interest about sort of where that can eventually go for nonverbal humans. So how do you measure it? Or how did you measure it for these purposes with the apes? So with apes, we can do it in in a handful of ways. And one of the things that I already mentioned where we started was to measuring like how they react to things they haven't seen. So first of all, can they even distinguish when something provides new information compared to what they know from before. So this is a very standard novel object or different object tests. But we can also measure it in in other ways and go a step further by 
looking at related things like how curious they are in solving a problem or how persistent they are, because these are all components of, if not necessarily true curiosity, but it aids the curious learning process. So like we do test them on, on different tool use tasks or different problem solving tasks and measure their manipulation diversity. So if, if I'm curious, I might try out different things in different ways. So, so these are all like measurements and then we can try to, to calculate them all together to see if these correlates within one individual and then get a measurement of that particular individual's signs of curious expressions. Cool. cool. All right. Okay. So one more definition and then I want to dive into your research. Define social curiosity. I mean, that was the conference that brought me to you. Yes. Yeah, so social curiosity would be when you ne- you're curious about something of your conspecific, like you need to know something about them, or you can also be interested in something because they are interested in something. But that's more social mediated curiosity. But actually, like finding out something about somebody else, I would say that is the essence of social curiosity. So expand on this sociality and why it's so important in your work, because that's really the foundation of what your study has been, right? Yes. Yeah, so so I feel, and this is also nowadays based a lot about raising a toddler or a child myself, because a lot <laughs> of the things that I thought were true from my observations with the apes became even more true when you have a child and you start to realize, hey, everything that is engaging, that has a social component to it will just evoke more and more curiosity. And I do think that this then translates to that if you have an social environment that during your early development encourage you to be interested in the environment around you, like you have parents who are actively showing you things with enthusiasm and stuff, that will transform into a situation where you also find yourself alone and when you are, it will actually put uh, into your mind the way you see the world and how you're exploring your world on your own. So I think that the social component is important that it actually sets the stage on what type of curious behavior you will develop for yourself. Right, right. So you did this ape cognition and curiosity project Describe that work because I found, well, I found all sorts of things in this paper really, really interesting, and I'm excited to link to it so the audience can read it as well, because among other things, it's also pretty accessible. Not all of these papers are really accessible. I want to congratulate you on making the science accessible. So tell us what you did. Yes. So this this, um, was really like the core baby of my work because it combined a a big data set on orangutans that I did throughout my PhD. And and then I went out for my postdoc to study the same things in chimpanzees and bonobos, who are similar to orangutans in many, many ways. They're all great apes, but these species are much more social in their in the natural world, they live in tight communities compared to orangutans, who are rather social, um, a solitary species where the mother and the baby are hanging out a lot, but you're not necessarily engaging like a group. And so while all these apes need curiosity to learn their diets and to learn how to go on in the world, 
for this particular study, we were interested to see if we could detect any species differences depending on uh, rooted in the fact that these uh, that infants or individuals of these species grow up in a very different world. So if I talked about how much the so social environment affects the levels of curiosity, if I grow up in a chimp community, but there's a lot of individuals around me every day, I've never known a day without them, mm -hmm. then I'm going to be very attentive to what all those individuals are doing. And I'm mostly directing my curiosity to what others are doing. So I would expect chimpanzees to have a lot more social curiosity because they need it in the natural world mm. compared to orangutan. Now, in this study, we made them all be alone to look if we could detect any intrinsic differences. So we tested them in environments where they are next to similar for all of, the, of these species. So like in zoos and sanctuaries, they grow up in a very similar way. And so we had them there and we tested how they react to new things and new food that look funny. And, and they just get to play around with different toys and we did all kinds of measurements. You're listening to Choose to be Curious, conversations about curiosity and work and life. I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and I'm joined today by Dr. Sophia Force, an evolutionary biologist specializing in comparative cognition and animal behavior who's studying curiosity in apes. And interestingly, it's quite counterintuitive that we found that the chimpanzees showed lower levels of curiosity compared to the orangutans that are more solitary when they are alone. And I do think that this reflects an intrinsic level of that when you grow up in this social system, you're just used to, you're not used to being dependent on going out there and exploring the world on your own. Recent orangutan that have their mothers to learn the essentials, but they get into adolescence and they, they're just more used to looking through uh, the world through their own eyes than through uh, eyes of communities. So that was the finding that was to me. I'm glad to hear it was counterintuitive to you because to me, I was like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. And you have some interesting, and maybe this was in your, your talk as well, but you have some interesting discussion in your paper about evolution. I think you put it as evolution may seldom select strongly for curiosity, which I thought was a really interesting way of saying, yeah, kind of curiosity, it's got its downsides. Like we wouldn't always evolutionarily select for that. Can you expand on that? Because I think that's actually a really interesting observation. Yes, I think that is exactly also what these apes um, illustrate for us. It's because you live long, and uh, human ancestors who lived long. Uh, so it's not a natural thing to be curious if you think about the sort of environment where we all evolved, like the African savanna and predators here and bigger and more dangerous things. And there's a, a, quite a, a hazardous uh, environment where you would think you found uh, our ancestors. And the same for most wild animals. There's very few wild animals that live in a safe habitat the mm -hmm. way we humans do and because of that because of all those risks 
there can't be a strong selection pressure on curiosity because you would basically jeopardize your life way too early in your life. You know, if I would be a super curious human baby without anybody watching me, I would run off and eat things uh, and it would be poisonous and I'd die way too soon. So that's where I think that it comes again, that it goes hand in hand with our social systems because we have social inputs that are guiding us when to be curious and when not to, or what to be curious about and what not to. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. It's really interesting. So I want to back up also to something about the way you conducted your study, because you actually make mention of the ethics of apes volunteering to participate, which I also thought was really interesting. And I wondered if you could just expand on that a little bit, because I don't think that as lay people, we think of the ethics of an animal's voluntary participation in a study. Oh, yeah. See, this is, uh, this is more on the side of uh, animal welfare in terms of that we don't want to induce any stressful situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If we'd run an animal study or an animal experiment in a zoo, and these guys are most of their time together as a group and we ask them to come into a separate room to be separated from the group for a few minutes where we give them these toys to play with and these problems to solve and in order to do so so that we don't have stress inflating the results because if I have a, a chimpanzee who's just nervous because he was taken away from his buddies right. then he's not he's not going to be curious because of his stress so this is why it was an important criterion that they want to come and that they are relaxed when they are there so that this does not confound the results well and that's that's interesting because you also have an alternative theory that you float about the effect of maybe the apes that were more accustomed to being alone were simply more relaxed when being tested in isolation and that that could have had an effect as well on the results. Yes. So that was, that was a little bit the big, uh, the big question first for us to, to tear apart. Like, is it just because these guys aren't used to be alone? So when they are alone, they can't express their curiosity the way an orangutan who is very used to find himself alone. However, we, uh, we also run a bunch of experiments on their cognitive skills. And for these experiments, it was exactly the same setup. You have them in a group in the morning. You let them come separately into a separate group, separate room where you shut them off for a few minutes. And for these cognition tasks, they were separated for much longer times. So sometimes even up to 15 minutes. And we found absolutely no species difference there. So if it would have been, yeah, if it would have been due to that, they are just not happy to be away from their bodies, we should have seen differences also there. And especially in the reaction, reaction of the apes wanting to go towards the door and you know we we video record all of these things so we have we have the opportunity control to check and, and control for these effects yeah, yeah. Fascinating. so where do you see the research going i mean where could it go where do you think it should go so i think that one really interesting point is to look at gorillas because gorillas are very social yet they have a very very 
different diet than the other mm. uh, species. I think gorillas could be a super interesting species to try to turn apart how much sociality uh, plays a role, but also how much having something, an ecological evolutionary driver, something difficult you need to learn that also should be a driving force for traits like curiosity. So this would be an interesting species to add to the whole uh, table, but also humans. Like I'm definitely going to research a lot on, on humans in a comparative way in, in the future and, and to look at like, where do we stand? Because I do think that while we are super curious, we don't have necessarily fair comparisons to the apes just yet because um, the methodologies haven't really been there. Mm, interesting. Interesting. So as, as you know, I like to uh, harvest curiosity practices, things that people do, that habits, little routines, rituals, tricks of the trade that people use to bring curiosity, more curiosity into their lives. I wonder if there are any curiosity practices that you feel like maybe you've learned from watching the apes. Oh, for myself. So I, yeah. I just think that that watching the apes in general just makes me curious about how how their mind works because we think we know so much about them and yet they always surprise in every <laughs> single work situation I've been with them they always surprise me <laughs> that's wonderful we don't know what we don't know yeah yes yeah. That's wonderful. Okay, so I want to introduce something unfamiliar to your environment by the way of my big jar of wannabe analogies. Are you game? <laughs> okay, so this is my big jar, literal big jar. I have slips of paper in here, and there are uh, words written on each of them. I'm taking one for you, one for me, one for the audience. And we're going to make an analogy to curiosity with whatever is on these slips of paper. Okay, yours is watercolor paints. How is curiosity like watercolor paints? Oh, that's terrific. <laughs> Mine is a witch's broomstick. Uh, and then we have one for the audience. So do you want to go first or do you want me to go? Oh, I can go. Okay. I have, okay. A, I, have a, I have a really vivid scene in my in my. Wonderful. In go my ahead. Mind right now. Yeah. Because if you have watercolors, let's imagine it's, it's one of the first times you get to play around freely with watercolors. And imagine that moment when you're realizing that mixing them creates something completely new. <sighs> you're going to just, you're going to just curiously mix all the colors just to find out. What is this creating? What is what? What colors kind of pop up if I put green and red together? And what is popping up when I put green and yellow? So I think this is just one of those natural ways where I think that kids are discovering the world by being in a situation where mixing things gives rise to something new. Absolutely curiosity triggering. I love it. I love it. That's wonderful. Okay, so mine is witch's broomstick. Um, I. I <laughs> I guess I'm going to say that uh, like a witch's broomstick, curiosity can transport you in somewhat magical ways. How's that? Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, audience, yours is traffic jam. How is curiosity like a traffic jam? Let us know on social media. Hashtag analogy. Well, Sophia, thank you so much for this. This has been such a fun conversation, and I cannot wait to see what you research next. 
Thank you so much, Lynn. I actually enjoyed it very, very much. And I'm definitely going to be curious about all the rest of your nice uh, podcast because I just discovered that it's a really good bunch of people out there. My conversation with Sophia Force harkened back to a wonderful visit I took to the National Zoo to learn more about curiosity in animals more generally. So, I mean, the title of the show is Choose to be Curious. Do you think mm -hmm. animals choose to be curious? Oh, there are definitely times when we will ask an animal to work with us as animal trainers and they will refuse a session. Oh. So there's, there's choice involved and enrichment as well as animal training helps our animals participate in a way that they can choose whether or not they want to be there. Our animals are more social than others. Some of them we need to figure out what the motivating factor may be um, to get them to manipulate certain things. Um, I mean, for people who have any concern about animals in, a, in captivity, it also allows them to exercise some control over their environment. Yes. Yeah, interesting. So for our apes, they have the choice, our great apes of our orangutans, we have the O-line that's built into the National Zoo. It connects the think tank exhibit to the great apes exhibit. Right. They can actually choose where they want to spend their time, literally through a huge, tall aerial bridge. So they can say, oh, I don't want to be at Ape House right now. I would like to go to Think Tank because that's where more of the training sessions happen. Some, sometimes the choice is dependent upon whether or not there's offspring. So I know that when we had baby Red, mom was choosing not to use the O-line because she didn't want to take him up too soon. But then she took him up one day and we all were like, we're just going to hope that you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned Red because I saw somewhere something that was characterizing, his mom's name was Batang, is that her Batang. name? Batang. Batang, okay. That she seems to be raising him to be curious. That it was the zookeeper's impression that that was like, there was some intentional parenting going on around curiosity there. Does that ring true to you? I would imagine that it would be true. The apes are very much like us when it comes to um, certain characteristics. So the same way that we might have free-range parents among uh -huh. human beings as opposed to more of the helicopter parent style, I could definitely see us observing similar behaviors of her being a little bit more risk tolerant with him and what he's able to do. Because she could very easily just force him to be with her all the time if she felt like it was a safety concern, but he's comfortable. she's comfortable enough and he seems interested enough in participating in new activities. Well, and she obviously has some risk tolerance if she's taken him up on the high wire. Yes. <laughs> taking him from one place to the other, yeah. We have some very nice high-res Zoom photos of him, just oh, like a little shit. bit overwhelmed as his world just doubles. You've been listening to Choose to be Curious. You can find this and all my previous episodes on my website at choosetobecurious.com. You can follow me there and on social media, Choose to be Curious, and share your traffic jam analogy, hashtag analogy. A shout out to Michael, whose answer on how is curiosity like a sunrise was always look at where curiosity leads you, but don't stare blindly into curiosity itself. A wonderful analogy and excellent advice as well. Many thanks to my guest, Sophia Force. Links to her research and the Social Curiosity Conference on my website, as well as that wonderful video. Thanks, too, to Sean Ballack for our theme music. And this is Trivial Call by Bayou Birds via Blue Dot Sessions. I hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, choose to be curious. Choose to be curious.